David Montgomery is headed to the Detroit Lions. So what does that mean for the future of the Chicago Bears backfield? Plus, we'll talk to our friends from Locked On Titans about two new Bears free agents, Nate Davis and Demarcus Walker. All that on today's Locked On Bears podcast. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Bears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you hit that subscribe button on the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And on the show today, we're going to take advantage of our Locked On Podcast Network and turn to our friend Tyler Rowland from Locked On Titans to break down two of the new Bears free agent signings from Tennessee, pass rusher Demarcus Walker and offensive guard Nate Davis. But first, we need to talk about the free agent the Bears didn't sign, the free agent they let go to the Detroit Lions, David Montgomery, followed by the free agent they brought in, not to replace him, but to add into the backfield. Full disclosure, this is the second time I'm recording this segment because right after the David Montgomery news broke, I recorded a whole David Montgomery segment and then finished recording that segment, looked on Twitter, saw that they, saw that they signed Travis Homer, and everything I had just said over the last 10 minutes was completely outdated. And so we're doing it again with a little bit more clarity on the direction of the Bears' backfield. Still, it was surprising that... The Bears let David Montgomery go to Detroit on just a a three-year, $18 million contract with $11 million guaranteed. That's perhaps more guarantees than the Bears may have wanted, but $6 million a year is not an extravagant price tag for a starting caliber running back for a 1,000-yard rusher. Like That's a number that if the deal had come down for the Bears, I would have said, oh, that's pretty good value. I think it's a good deal for David, and it's good value for the Bears. I I would have been more upset if it was like in the $8 to $10 million range per year. But six, you can definitely live with. Apparently, the Chicago Bears couldn't. They were reported to be actively negotiating with David Montgomery and trying to bring him back, but they set a certain price tag and clearly didn't value him to the level that the Detroit Lions did. We'll never know exactly how far apart they may have been, but regardless, they're choosing to roll with Khalil Herbert as their running back one for now. We saw last year Khalil Herbert led the NFL in yards per carry among running backs, was been one of the most efficient rushers per carry over the last two seasons in a lot of different measurements. He looks to me like a guy who is perfectly capable of being your first and second down lead running back. He has the explosive home run ability and vision and speed and everything you want as a runner to be a thousand yard rusher if given enough carries and enough opportunities to do so. The main thing we all know is that he does have some weakness when it comes to catching passes out of the backfield and in pass protection. And so we thought immediately after Montgomery goes to another team, the Bears are still going to need something else to pair with him in the backfield, whether that would be another free agent, as it turned out to be, or someone in the draft, which it still could include as a part of this process. But right away, the Bears go out and sign Travis Homer from the Seattle Seahawks. Not a household name, 
Not a guy that I think would be on anybody's fantasy teams any of the last four seasons he's been in the NFL. In his career, he has less than 1,000 yards from scrimmage. But he is the third down back. He is much more of a receiver and a blocker than a runner. And he's this kind of guy that you can put in on third down. Now, the production has not been there, right? You're not going to trust him as like, oh, like he's he's just he's not going to say he's just as good as like the Austin Ecklers of the world, which is a trade option out there, which we can have a little conversation about. But just to, to finish on Homer first, like you know, like this, the past two seasons, he's had 16 catches a year for 150, 160 yards yards each season. So like this is not a a dynamic, highly productive player for Seattle, but someone that Seattle relied on a lot as a pass protector and someone who prides himself on his pass protection out of the backfield. And that the people who really analyzed the Seahawks saw him as, as quite valuable for their offense in doing a lot of the little things and being available for their quarterback in a way that they are maybe like your average Seahawks fan isn't going to miss, but the people who go in depth on the Seahawks say, this is a, a pretty good value for the bears to, to get somebody like this, to be a part of the backfield. He doesn't need to be a feature part of the backfield, but a two-year deal worth up to $4.5 million. This is not an expensive player that the Bears are going to be locked into for a long time. But he can be maybe the number three running back in this rotation. You can have him compete with Treston Ebner. And if they bring in any other running backs or draft any running backs, he could be part of that competition. I think he's good enough to find a role somewhere on offense as a part of this rotation, even if it's not fully like a full number two role, but to just get him in there and get some snaps. I think he's got some potential value here for the Chicago bears. I would have considered an Austin Eckler trade as something I'd kick the tires on, especially if you don't have to give up a lot of draft trade compensation to the chargers to get him because Eckler wants a new deal and is in the last year of his deal. Anyway, if I could send him a, like a late day three draft pick to get Eckler and give him a contract extension, I would, I would strongly consider it. I mean, Eckler's a guy who has been almost a thousand yard receiver before as a running back and has been almost a thousand yard as a rusher the last two seasons and has double digit touchdowns the last two seasons as a rusher in addition to everything he does as a receiver. And I think it's so valuable for Justin Fields to have a pass catcher in the backfield that he can rely on and he can go to as a check down option who can make things happen after the catch, who can be more than like to take, take a turn, a check down into a first down that when Justin Fields is in trouble, he can flip it to this guy and you can make big plays happen as a result of that. I don't think Travis Homer is quite that guy, even though I think he does have some value. And I think the bears are not done adding to their backfield when it's all said and done, but it's not going to include David Montgomery at this point. It's going to be the Clue Herbert show for now. I don't know that I don't think they're going to go out necessarily and sign a Jamal Williams or a Miles Sanders because if they're willing to pay those guys that kind of money, why wouldn't they just pay David Montgomery that kind of money? You know, how much better really? And maybe you can make an argument that either Sanders or Williams is better if you want to. But if there's a if the finances are even close or or more for those other running backs, why wouldn't the Bears just pay David Montgomery $6 million a year to get a thousand yard rusher that they already know and wanted to have in the backfield? So I'm not expecting any kind of big time investment at running back. I don't think they're going to trade for Eckler. I don't think they're going to sign a big guy. I think that's going to be, if anything, there could be another veteran of, of the Travis Homer size, you know, a Darrington Evans type to mix into this backfield. And then probably not a first round pick. I mean, definitely not a first round pick at nine, probably not one in the second round. I'm thinking it'd be a day three draft pick that could be added in what will be a running back class that has some real talent to like. We'll see what the bears ultimately end up doing, whether it's more free agents or not in this backfield. But in the meantime, we need to break down some of the free agents the Bears 
have already signed. And I want to turn our attention to our friends here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Tyler Ro- Tyler Rowland from Locked On Titans is going to join us to break down the guard, Nate Davis, and why Tennessee liked him quite a bit, but maybe he had a couple of question marks and ultimately feel like the Bears still got some pretty good value there. And also Demarcus Walker, who was a one-year deal in Tennessee before coming to Chicago now, had a really strong season, but might need to be in a certain set of circumstances to be his absolute best. That's next on Locked On Bears. The Locked On Bears podcast is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers are getting a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free money in bonus bets right back to you if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe secure, and super easy to use. You can bet on the March Madness tournament getting underway here, the NBA season getting close to playoff time, and you can bet on the football offseason, what's going to happen in the NFL draft, in the XFL, in the NFL season next year, and so much more across all of your sports betting needs. So don't miss your chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash Locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA and NFL. All right, we are joined now by Tyler Rowland from Locked on Titans. He also writes for alltitans.com as part of the Sports Illustrated Network. And Tyler, I appreciate you joining us today. We didn't realize we'd have so many uh, Titans to Bears free agent transactions here, but we get a little bit of a, a two for one here. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's let's start with with Nate Davis on the offensive line since he was the first signing and, and the more expensive of the two signing. Bigger picture here, you know, just kind of surface level scouting report stuff. Like to a Chicago Bears fan who's never watched Nate Davis play, how, how would you generally describe what he is and what he was for the Titans? I would say that he's a road grader in the run game. When he's playing his best football, he can move people, a lot of double teams and a lot of climbs to the second level in the Titans offense. So Nate Davis has the ability to do those. He can move somebody in a double team. He can reach uh, a nose tackle and and block them away uh, on the backside on a run. He has the ability to get off that double team and get up, and he has the athleticism necessary to meet a linebacker at the second level. So he has all of those qualities. I think he's fantastic run blocker when he's healthy and playing his best football. Where you'll see him struggle is, is in pass protection. Sometimes he can just get beat with quickness on the inside, and uh, that's an area that he can needs to continue to improve. Uh, but overall, really good run blocker, really going to be able to move people around when he's playing his best in pass protection. He improved. Throughout his career, he got better. So as a Bears fan, you got to hope that he could just continue that trajectory and get even better. Uh, But overall, definitely an area of weakness where he can get beat by some quickness and has a tendency to maybe have a little bit of balance issues if he gets a little too far back on his heels. uh, He can kind of lose his balance and and maybe let some guys uh, get to the quarterback. So nobody's a perfect player. Uh, Nate Davis, if he was a perfect player, he'd be getting paid. You know, uh, what, what we saw some other guards get paid at the top of the market. Um, but I think uh, for the money that he got paid, Nate Davis, about $10 million a year, you get yourself a really solid guard who, if he's if he's healthy, which obviously is a question that, w- that we might get into, um, he, he definitely deserves to be paid like a star. 
Yeah, I do want to get into the health thing in a little bit. But first, I, I want to circle back to the pass protection question. Mm-hmm. What, how would you sort of describe that level of trust? Do you think he's – is he consistently bad in pass protection or is he just inconsistent? No, I, I would say that it's inconsistency and it's a matchup thing. When you get certain defensive linemen or certain interior defensive linemen who can add power to quickness or that are just super quick, it's going to give them trouble. Uh, but overall, on a week-to-week basis, you don't go into a game going, oh, no, are they going to whoop Nate Davis this week? Or are we going to have to worry about Nate Davis? Giving it? He was never the, the biggest issue on the Titans' offensive line in pass protection. Again, he's just not a perfect player. If he was, he would have got paid a lot more. He's obviously a lot better in run blocking that fits his skill set, but he's not some sieve in pass protection where you're constantly have to worry about uh, him getting beat nonstop. It's, it's not that sort of level of, of issue, I guess. So that should make bears fans feel a little bit better. If I scared anybody, (laughs) my apologies there. No, Nate Davis is still solid. And again, when he's healthy, when he's healthy and maybe has some competent offensive linemen around him, he he can be somebody who can count on week to week, unless he's got a terrible matchup for a skill set. Why do you think the Tennessee Titans didn't opt to re-sign him? Um, I think uh, the Titans need more help on the the edge of the offensive line. They need offensive tackles. I think that they feel comfortable moving a Nicholas Petit Frere, who was their starting right tackle last year as a rookie. They they can move him inside if they need to. Uh, also, they have some interior offensive linemen who could probably come back in an a Aaron Brewer and a Corey Levin. None of these guys are anybody that you want to write home about at all, but I think they saw that they had some more depth on the interior. So rather than pay Nate Davis $10 million a year, who is a guard and cannot play tackle, they went out and got Andre Dillard from the Philadelphia Eagles, who can play offensive tackle, was primarily played offensive tackle in his career, but potentially has some versatility to kick inside the guard if he needs to. So I think you get players who can be similar values to you in terms of their level of talent, but this guy at $10 million can play offensive tackle and maybe guard, where Nate Davis is just going to play guard. So I think the versatility for the $10 million made the Titans decide to go with Dillard over re-signing Nate Davis. Sure, that, that makes a lot of sense. And then to wrap up on him, let's touch on the injury thing. So 12 games mm-hmm. last year, he played 14 games the year before. I, I look at through some injury report stuff. It looked like, you know, there was like an ankle and a knee thing at times last year. And before that, there was a yeah. concussion and maybe some COVID in there too. What what sort of is the level of concern there from, from Titans fans? Was there a feeling of like a durability issue there? Or is it just something that kind of popped up in the last year plus? Well, you mentioned the word injuries, and Titans fans are instantly triggered. So you may have some Titans fans, sour grape, saying Nate Davis is some injury concern, can't stay healthy, and all of that. And and listen, while he did miss five games last year with injuries, and that's always a concern, it's not like Nate Davis was some guy that was always missing games. I mean, he played 13 games in his first season as a rookie, 12 of those being starts, and the only reason he didn't start the whole season it's because he was a rookie and the Titans were slow playing him. It wasn't because, you know, he he was unable to play. Uh, once he was, you know, out there, he was a starter for the rest of the season for the Titans. His second year, he played all 16 games, so no concerns there. In 2021, like you said, some COVID issues, concussion issues, but it wasn't anything long-term like soft tissue or ligament or anything like that. And, and then last year, he was bit by the injury bug, but quite frankly, Everybody on the Titans was bit by the injury bug. By the end of the season, they only had four or they only had one of their starting five offensive linemen because everybody was hurt. So there's just something in the water in Tennessee. I don't see Nate Davis as some 
huge injury-prone risk that the Bears are taking. He's generally been healthy throughout his Titans career. This episode of Locked on Bears is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. It's a fun and free mobile game app that puts you in complete control of your own football franchise. We've been talking about it a little bit here on the podcast. We've been playing it a lot on our own here, but it lets you make all the decisions throughout the entire offseason process, in-season lineup adjustments, you name it, you are in control. You can sign free agents like Nate Davis and Demarcus Walker. You can let your running back like David Montgomery go and sign with another team and try and replace him with your own younger guys. You get to make the call in the Ultimate Football GM app, all in a challenging and realistic game world. It's been tough for me to get my franchise going. I've made the playoffs a few times, but I haven't been able to put my team over the top and win that Super Bowl. If you think you can do better, check out the Ultimate Football GM app. Right now, Locked On Bears listeners are going to get a 100% free boost to your franchise when you use our promo code Locked On in the game store. That's all caps, Locked On. So make sure to check it out today. To download the game, just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up in your app store. That's ultimate-gm.com. Ultimate Football GM. Start your dynasty today. Let's turn our attention to Demarcus Walker now. I know he only mm-hmm. spent a year with Tennessee, so the, the history here doesn't go back super, super far. But I'll, I'll ask the same question that we started with with, with Nate Davis. Like, the sort of big-picture scouting report, if a Bears fan has never watched him play it for the Tennessee Titans, how would you describe what Demarcus Walker brought to the team last year? I would say Demarcus Walker is much more of a rotational pass rusher than he is a run defender on early downs. I can't lie, you know, I don't mean to besmirch the Chicago Bears on the Locked On Bears podcast, but I was a little taken aback by the amount that they paid. Yeah. Demarcus Walker, uh, it's a little, you know, $7 million a year for three seasons. I'm sure in guarantees it's probably only a two-year deal, which seems like every NFL contract, five years, four years, three, it's all a two-year deal at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Demarcus Walker is a guy who I think if you get him one-on-one matchups, in pass rush situations, he's going to be able to beat people one-on-one. He has a fantastic swipe move when offensive tackles or offensive linemen try to get their hands in his chest. He's strong enough to swipe their hands away and open up an interior rush lane, and he's quick enough to get through it as well. He is the definition of a tweener on the defensive line, not quite big enough to be an interior guy all the time. Uh, I would have a hand-in-the-dirt defensive end, but he can rush from the interior in passing situations because he's not going to be asked to stand up against the run, take on a double team, stuff like that. So Demarcus Walker can definitely affect the quarterback as he did in Tennessee, a career-high seven sacks last year. Uh, He has the ability to win those one-on-one matchups when he's put in a good matchup. You know, if it's a bigger guy, he can use his quickness. If it's a smaller guy, he can use... His power, he's not going to be a dominant rusher. Uh, He's more of a rotational guy, in my opinion. But if you get him one-on-one matchups because you have enough help around him, he's going to be able to win consistently. And maybe he doesn't get the sack every time, but he's going to put a ton of pressure on the quarterback. I just wouldn't count on him as an every-down run defender, is, is what I would say is the critique. Yeah, what gives you the concerns in that way? I mean, I think we see him as a guy, if, especially if you're putting him on the edge, he's big and strong with some speed there. But obviously, you, you having watched him in, in, in person, like how, why, why do you think he struggles in that area? I just think he's better coming forward than he is holding his ground going backwards. Mm-hmm. Like when he can use his power and his quickness to come forward in the pass rush and have a pass rush plan going forward, I think that's where all of his skills are utilized properly. Uh, his, his quickness... 
uh, is a factor, but the problem is when the offensive lineman is firing out and coming forward, they're dictating terms. And being a tweener, he doesn't quite have the, the power and the strength you would need to maybe hold up against a double team and not get pushed back by a guard and an offensive tackle coming out with a double team. Um, and he can be quick all he wants, but against offensive tackles who are a little bit quicker and more agile uh, sometimes on the perimeter, he doesn't have as much success getting through their blocks as they come forward. So to me, that's how I would explain it. When he's coming forward and he's dictating terms, he has more success than when he's trying to just hold his ground uh, against some of the interior battles that you have on the defensive line. Yeah, I think it's smart to describe him as a tweener in that same kind of way. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, like, how did how did Mike Vrabel handle that? He's, I know he's a guy who likes to be very multiple in his defense. So, did, I mean, did is in the rotation? Did he have a, a spot that he stuck at more? Or was it just kind of like wherever they wanted to put the pieces around him to just kind of be fit wherever they need him to? How, how did they handle his versatility? Well, basically what the Titans wanted to do is, like I was saying earlier, they just wanted to hunt a matchup. If if they had an offensive tackle who was a little bit plotting, Demarcus Walker could maybe get inside of him and use his quickness uh, to, to find a way to get to the quarterback, they would do that. If they had an interior offensive lineman on the inside who uh, maybe couldn't deal with the power that Demarcus Walker would bring to the table, then they would hunt that matchup there. But I think what the Titans would do is they would try to use Demarcus Walker as a third rusher. For them, or as a fourth rusher, where you're trying to set up Jeffrey Simmons with this matchup, you're trying to set up Danico Autry with this matchup on the outside, Bud Dupree as well, trying to set him up with a certain matchup. And then offensive lines, what they would do is they would slide to Simmons or they would slide to Autry. And you're just trying to get Demarcus Walker in a position where he can take advantage of the matchup that he's going to get based on how teams go after the other players. So that's why I've been kind of hinting at this. I've been saying it, but I, I agree with it. Demarcus Walker can't be one of like your top two pass rushers on your defensive line, but if he has enough help around him, he's going to be able to get put on a proper matchup, have one-on-one -on -one matchups that he can take advantage of. So I, I think if the Bears have enough help around him in the pass rush, he's going to be able to take advantage of those opportunities. So like in terms of the the seven sacks, and not that you know, we don't expect you to like go through each individual one by any means, but like... He's getting a lot of those better one-on-one -on -one matchups because of the the mm -hmm. other pass rushers. Is is he also benefiting from like the other pass rushers disrupting the quarterback and bringing the quarterback to him to then just kind of make the easy finish on the play, or or how consistently in those types of plays is he? He's legitimately winning his one-on-one -on -one and and doing all the work to get to the quarterback. He just has an easier job to do that work because of the other pass rushers around him. Yeah, I I I would say it's not a situation where Demarcus Walker is getting a bunch of cleanup sacks. Yeah while other people are doing the work and he just happens to come in and clean it up. I know all about cleanup sacks from my time with Bud Dupree, who <laughs> has found a way to make millions and millions of dollars off cleanup sacks. A lot of DeMarcus Walker's sacks, and I, I would encourage fans of the Bears, if they want to get a better look, go to my Twitter profile, at Tic Tac Titans, search DeMarcus Walker, and look at the videos tab. And I'll show, you know, there are videos of the film work I've done throughout the season showing DeMarcus Walker, not just, hey, being around, being relentless. No, he's winning, like I said, with a great swipe move, knocking hands away, getting inside of a guard, getting inside of an offensive tackle, getting on the quarterback and taking him down and set himself. Pure wins in pass rush, not just clean up opportunities that were uh, given to him through the effort that he's playing with. There are some in there, but I would say there are enough sacks 
within his performance with the Titans last year that were just him one-on-one with a really nice move, beating an offensive lineman and taking down the cornerback. That I wouldn't label him a guy who's just kind of cleaning up from the work that the others did. Where that work is done is getting him a matchup that he can win consistently with that tweener ability that he has more than him just benefiting off the work that others are doing around him. And is it safe to assume from your perspective that price tag was probably the primary factor that kept him from returning to the Titans? Or or would there be any other reason why the Titans might not have wanted him back? Well, I think the Titans would have loved to have have him back if they could. But the reality here is the Titans are in like a polar opposite situation cap-wise from what the Bears are. The Bears are, you know, have monopoly money that they can throw (laughs) around this offseason. And they've been doing that with, you know, the additions at linebacker. And then we see them bringing in Walker and bringing in Nate Davis. Um, The Titans had to cut six different veterans just to get to $27 million in cap space. And they have so many holes on their rosters, they kind of transition uh, away from the Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill version to whatever the new version is going to be, that they simply couldn't pay $7 million for DeMarcus Walker to be a rotational rusher for him. They just weren't cap healthy enough to be able to afford something like that. They need to add starters with the limited amount of money that they have. So again, like Nate Davis, I don't see it as a situation where the Titans were like, hey, we absolutely don't want you back. You're absolutely not worth that money, blah, blah, blah. But you're not worth that money to us for different situations other than just the player isn't good enough to be worth it. Nate Davis, like I said, spending $10 million on a guy who can play offensive tackle or play some guard makes some more sense for the Titans. And with Demarcus Walker, they're just not in a position to sign him as a luxury rotation guy um, right now with with where they're at money-wise. Well, Tyler, I got to say, you're well worth all the money Locked On Podcast Network pays you for Locked On <laughs> Titans. Your Tennessee Titans analysis is second to none. Really appreciate you joining us on the podcast today and, and have fun with the rest of free agency, whatever the Titans are able to do with the money they scrounge up. Yeah, whatever pennies they can grab out of the couch and maybe get some special teamers to play starting roles. I'll have fun breaking all that down. But you and Chicago, big winners of free agency. That doesn't always translate to wins on the field, but hey, you look at Jacksonville last year, it's got to give the Bears hope that they can be that that Jacksonville Jaguars team of 2023. Hey, absolutely. Thanks, Tyler. Yep. Thanks again to Tyler Rowland from Locked on Titans for joining us on the podcast today. If you enjoyed our conversation, make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube. That's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. We'll keep breaking down these Bears free agent signings as they come through. On tomorrow's podcast, barring some other big breaking news, we're going to break down linebacker Tremaine Edmonds with Joe Marino from Locked on Bills. So make sure you come on, come on back and check that out. And, of course, any other big, any other big moves, we're going to have, make sure we're on top of all of them for you and see what happens with maybe Orlando Brown as the rumors keep swirling around there. We'll see. It should be a lot of fun. Thanks for making the Locked on Bears podcast your first listen today. If you're looking for your second listen, the Locked On Podcast Network is your team every day. So check out some of our other Locked On Chicago sports shows, Locked On Bulls, Locked On Blackhawks, Locked On Cubs, Locked On White Sox, plus Locked On College Sports, Illinois and Northwestern, or any of your any of your teams across the country, even if your teams aren't Chicago-based. The Locked On Podcast Network is here for you. So go make one of those podcasts your second listen. Come on back tomorrow for another episode of Locked On Bears as your first listen again. And of course, you have to come back for your next opportunity to bear down.